Hey everyone, and welcome to Between the Creations. My name is Lorian Hook, and each week on the podcast, I and my guest discuss various aspects of theology, Christianity, and the Bible. I'm so glad you've decided to join us. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me this week. It's a huge help when you like, rate, and subscribe to Between the Creations wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram or Facebook for news about upcoming episodes. You can find out more about the podcast, submit topics you'd like me to cover on an episode, or even ask me to speak at your event at laurianhook.com. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Between the Creations. I'm Laurian, and I'm really glad that you guys are with me this week. Well, let me tell you guys, we had such a phenomenal response to the last episode I did with today's guest uh, that aired a few weeks ago or a few months ago. I can't remember. So if you haven't listened to my previous episode with my friend Sarah Jividen, please go check that out. She is back with me today to have a really just another passion-filled, <laughs> exciting conversation about topics that are near and dear to our hearts. So welcome, Sarah, again. And uh, I'll let you kind of reintroduce yourself for anyone who hasn't listened to that last episode. Uh, yeah. yeah. So like she said, my name is Sarah Jividen. I am married to Nick Jividen, and we have two little babies, Cora and Paul. And I am a musician, worship leader, um, fellow Fraser enthusiast yes. alongside Lorian. <laughs> um, and we're just great pals. And we've been joking that um, these podcasts are just basically live Marco Polos that we would be sending to each other throughout the day, but instead we've invited you to listen along yeah. to our rants. If you don't know what Marco Polo is, it's an app where you can send videos back and forth, and we they are legion, let me tell you, about topics actually very similar to this usually. It's usually... Yeah. Usually it's pretty serious Marcos that are said with a lot of sarcasm sometimes, but, but serious things that pertain to life. And so today we're going to be talking about something that is... Near and dear to both our hearts, I think, for various reasons. Um, we both kind of grew up with this culture, this mentality, and as we've gotten older, had to learn how to shed a lot of it and realize and name it for a lot of the damaging things that it was. And what I'm talking about, friends, is purity culture. And if you don't know what purity culture is, a cursory Google search will will you know update you very rapidly on hashtag purity culture. Um, so Sarah is sitting across from me with her laptop, ready to go. She has come prepared for this conversation. She's told me she's made a list of, of just points about purity culture, ways that it's damaging, ways that it, it can harm us, has harmed a whole generation, quite frankly, of churchgoers. Let me kind of set up kind of in, I would love your input on this as well. When we say purity culture, what are we meaning in very, very general terms, painting with a broad brush here, it is a it was a way and still is quite frankly in many ways a way specifically and especially in the church of doing youth ministry where essentially we told you know from from 6th grade to 12th grade we told people hey uh, sex is literally the worst thing you could possibly do <laughs> it's terrible and stay as far away from it as you possibly can boys and you know if you're if you're a girl boys are evil if you're a boy girls are evil they only really exist to tempt you and lead you into lustful thoughts <laughs> and guys you might roll your eyes and think i'm being hyperbolic here i'm not i grew up in this culture i i know the language i know the examples i know the warnings i know all the things and you know we're told that you know 
the way girls dress is that girls are responsible for boys emotions and for boys thought lives. And, you know, it's just all these types of things and basically being told, Hey, if you don't have sex and you remain pure, which is again, having sex before marriage is according to purity culture is literally the worst mistake you could possibly make in your life. That if you follow all these rules Mm -hmm. and there are lots of rules, if you follow them, if girls, you don't let your your shirts, your, um, skirts be too short goodness that's a phrase and boys if you you know don't look at pornography and you do all these things right then eventually god will bless you Mm. with a spouse and you will have the most amazing passion-filled marriage possible and it's going to be great which now in hindsight has been labeled the sexual prosperity gospel the sexual prosperity gospel genius yes which is perfect (laughs) is that kind of how i mean that's really really broadly speaking but is that how it was kind of painted for you growing up yeah um i i I do think that it's more extreme for some than others, depending yes. on like the the culture of the church that you grew up in. But yes, in general, I feel like the message communicated to me was um, avoid this at all costs mm-hmm. because it is the most damaging thing you could do for yourself to to fail in this way. Yeah, um, and definitely the sexual prosperity gospel of if you follow these rules, you're a good little girl. One day. Your prince will come, mm-hmm. and the two of you will have this wonderful reward waiting for you. Yeah. Um, a plus B equals C, mm-hmm. and go make all the babies. So, yeah. yeah, I would I would say that was that was similar to me as well. Okay, gotcha. So why don't you, since you are so prepared, take us down <laughs> some of the lists that you've made? And I mean, these are topics that you and I have talked about, right? But mm. what are some things that you've noticed yeah. and things that you want to highlight? Um, so yeah, first off, I would say you know I think we can all agree that words are powerful. So the word purity for a lot of people that grew up in that culture that that word alone can be triggering. Yeah, which I feel I, I feel it's interesting to explore that. Um, and kind of break down, okay, what do we actually mean when we say purity? Because is the word itself, purity, a bad thing that we want to run from? I would say no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the way that it was set up for us and exploring kind of underneath, okay, why is that such a triggering, shame-inducing word? Well, it was because it was communicated to us that in this in this shame-fear-based way of you need to seek purity so that you're not this yeah. bad thing rather than seek purity because of the goodness that you'll find there Mm -hmm. other than the sexual prosperity gospel. So um, my pushback on purity culture is not in any way a pushback on abstinence, Mm -hmm. um, a pushback on, you know, because I honestly, I was a virgin when I got with my husband and I'm not I'm not sorry about yeah, that. You don't like, regret, yeah. yeah, I don't wish, oh, if only I had had sex with more people. Mm-hmm. However, I do not want to communicate to someone that because they've had sex before they get married, that they are doomed in any way. Exactly. And or that they're less than or less worthy or right. broken or yes. damaged goods. And that's what is damaging. Yeah. Not the, if you desire to be abstinent, that's great. Um, but so just that little disclaimer. Absolutely. So what about the purity culture movement is and was is damaging is actually the the part that I want to kind of address. Sure, so, absolutely. Um, we've already kind of um, established the sexual prosperity gospel is that this transaction is if I follow the rules of God, He will bless me with 
and whatever that is. And mm-hmm. we really, I mean, we can say there's a lot of this kind of prosperity gospel, not just with purity, but with your money and, mm-hmm. you know, all the things. But um, so for men, I feel like if you were a teenage boy and naturally extremely um, <laughs> interested in sex. Yeah, um, like a normal teenage Which is a boy. normal, healthy thing. Yeah. Then you were basically told okay, if you're a good guy and you don't look at porn and you don't have sex with your girlfriend and you're just a sweet little Christian boy and Mm -hmm. try to just turn off that sexual mind of yours for the next 10 to 15, 20 years, then God will bless you with a super hot wife Mm -hmm. who, here's the kicker, she will be asexual basically until your wedding night and then she will become hypersexual by this switch of a light. Mm -hmm. So she will be completely 100% pure, but she won't act like it in that wedding yeah, bedroom, will exactly. she? I mean, she will be like porn star level hot yes, yes. in the way that she satisfies you. And she will kind of reward you mm-hmm. for waiting. And you will have this amazing, like, wonderful sex life, wonderful marriage with her. And everything will come together and click and well. No pun intended. Yeah. Okay. And again, um, this is not this is not hyperbolic. Like, that, that this is, is literally yes, that is literally I, what, what was, was communicated commun- yes. to us as Absolutely. youths. Yes. Um, so, like I said, that one one problem I would point out with purity culture is there is a lot of responsibility um, on the woman if the what is communicated to the guy of if you wait, you will have this super rewarding sex life, then the woman needs to basically go into the marriage knowing how to please him, mm-hmm. which how could she possibly know that when she has not had any sexual history yep. if she has remained pure according to the rules of purity culture? Which, let's just say, for those of you that don't know, there are different degrees of purity culture that you will find. There are some people that believe to remain pure means you don't even kiss anybody mm-hmm. till till your wedding. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of an extreme version. I, I didn't have a lot of friends that um, did that, but I certainly knew people. Absolutely, yeah. Um, then there's the, you know, on the other extreme, it could be as long as you don't have sexual intercourse yeah. before your wedding, um, then you're good. So mm-hmm. come up with as many creative ways that you can right. satisfy each other sexually as long as you do not have the intercourse itself. The intercourse. Uh, the intercourse, <laughs> yes, officially. Um so this kind of perpetuated the lie that men are sexual and women are emotional. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, and I'd be interested to know what you thought. Um, a lot of the books that I read, and certainly the purity conferences. That's right, folks. They there were, were actually purity conferences puri- where we all took a pledge <laughs> that we wouldn't have sex before we got married. Purity <laughs> rings are a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, I know you said good. you had a question. I was going to say, I'd be interested to know if you felt that you were kind of expected as a young woman to not necessarily be afflicted with sexual desire, mm. um, that that was more the guys. And so our responsibility was to protect them from the temptation of our sexy yes, selves. 100%. By how we dressed, by how we, you know, didn't lure them into crossing physical boundaries, um, which it's confusing on a lot of ways. A, I don't think that's up to young women. Uh, I think that 
if everyone should be responsible for their own yeah. sexual boundaries. Um, but also it just kind of made women feel shame if they had sexual desires because that wasn't a feminine thing. That was a exactly. more of a masculine thing. Yeah. You felt that way as well? Uh, 100%. I can't tell you the amount of times I heard the phrase, you don't want to cause your brothers to stumble. <laughs> be a stumbling and I'm like, block. Mm-hmm. Don't be a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if, if what... If the length of my skirt is really that big of a deal, <laughs> then I feel like Christianity has some major issues that we're mm. not dealing with. Mm-hmm. Then I feel then I feel like what you're hanging this all on, mm. the length of my skirt or the the size of my spaghetti straps or whatever, mm-hmm. then I feel like Christianity has a lot that it's lacking. Mm. If that is really what we're the most concerned about. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think that modesty is appropriate in situations? Absolutely. Do I think that we should, you know, be respectful of what different, you know, places or whatever have kind of set up as their their ground rules? Sure. I'm not saying go in and just be a ridiculous human being who refuses to honor mm-hmm. the authority that's there. But the pressure, oh my gosh, you yeah. guys, the pressure that we place, even now, it continues now. That, but that was placed on my generation as young middle school and high school women to not cause our brothers to stumble by what we wore. Mm. I mean, tape measures to measure our skirts. Oh, 100%. Tape and measures. It, you were really screwed if you, like myself, were tall and just had long, long legs. legs. Yeah. Then you were going to be required to find extra long skirts, shorts, yeah. in order to yeah. not break that rule of how many inches above the knee. Exactly. Because apparently our our brothers in Christ were just burning with lust so much <laughs> that just the sight of our knees. I'm like, are we back in like the 16th century? Like what's happening? But that's literally what it was. And and here's the other thing. It's never it's never uh reciprocated on the opposite side, which is back to something that you said about how Women, young, you know, teenage girls, women, we were not allowed, we were not given space to talk about sexual desire, to Mm -hmm. talk about any of that. Mm -hmm. As sexual, we are all sexual beings, right? right? We were not given spaces to talk about those things. And my illustration of this point is that I remember I was in a group, we were reading the book Captivating, which, goodness gracious. um, (laughs) And we, in this whole topic of, you know, we got to dress modestly because we don't want our brothers to stumble. And I actually asked, I find this was like a rare moment of boldness as, as a young person that I had um, in this type of scenario where I just said, because there was another, there was a group of guys literally in the next room over reading Wild at Heart, which is mm. the, the, the guy's companion book to Captivating. And I just raised my hand and I said, I have a question. I said, the guys are in there reading a book that's supposed to help them with whatever. I said, is anyone in the, in the guy's room telling them that if they are attractive or, you know, well-built or have a six-pack or, you know, whatever, good looks, that they should maybe wear a T-shirt when we're at swimming parties? Is anyone telling them that? Because you are assuming by the way that this set up that men, that young men, are the only ones who have sexual desire or who, have, who can deal with lust, mm. and you're just assuming that women don't. Mm. Yeah. And it really frustrated me, and yeah. no one had an answer to that question. Oh, because there was an answer. Because there and it was that it absolutely because was no not one's happening. telling young men that. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, exactly what you said. It puts a lot of pressure on young women, and just a disclaimer because I'm big on those because I just really do not want to offend anyone that's listening. Obviously, the both of our experiences are as females. Mm-hmm. We grew up as young women, yep. so. I'm not trying to say that this wasn't damaging to young men. I actually think oh, it's, it, yeah. it absolutely was. Um, but obviously the majority of our anecdotes are going to be mm-hmm. about 
how this affected um, affected us. Yes. But absolutely, I thought um, I, I think that it was damaging to guys as well because in even in that illustration you're talking about, it's it's limiting to the guy as well because he is being communicated to that his mind is evil that he is so out of control mm-hmm. and has no sense of agency that um th- that he needs to you know live out of this this fear and this shame as well and so this all brings together that my my main pushback on this culture is that it's shame based and fear based yes um and there's really no getting around that i feel like even someone that potentially didn't have a terrible experience with purity culture i I'm pretty certain that if you had an elongated conversation with them, you could get to some source of shame or fear associated with it. Um, And why? Because it instantly points to your performance. Mm -hmm. It is a performance-based movement. Yes. It is completely about your status as how you performed, how you did or didn't do something. Mm -hmm. Um, And let's just be real. That becomes your... Your religion that becomes your God is yep. is your purity. Um, yep. Your standing with God is becomes based on your sexual activity or non-activity. Yeah, um, and it's it's one of the most damaging lies out there because it is the antithesis of the gospel. Mm, amen. It's really hard to get further away from the gospel than by communicating to young people your value and your worth stems from. What, how you do in these teenage years sexually. Yeah. And if you perform well, God's going to bless you. And if you mess up, you're going to suffer. Yep. And it's just, it's just not true. Um, and it's just, it's just really damaging. In one breath, we tell people that they're loved unconditionally. And in that same breath, it's, but don't you dare mess up in this yeah, way. Yeah, don't have sex before you're married. Don't, yeah. Um, and it's just caution, caution, caution. And so that that fear base, especially how powerful it is when the target audience are teens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're very impressionable. You're going through a lot physically, emotionally, yeah. spiritually. There's, they're just such formative years. And when the leaders in your community are, are kind of issuing you this fear-based mantra, mm-hmm. um, you know... The other thing is that just practically, that's just not an effective tool to give people exactly. because it's externally motivated. So don't have sex before you get married because you'll get pregnant. It's practical. It's tr- yeah. it's possibly true. You might you might not, but there's a good chance you could. Mm-hmm. You could have STDs, and also you could be judged by the rest of your church community. Mm-hmm. You could be cast out. All those external motivators. All that really ends up creating is people that hide what they're doing. Yep. It doesn't actually change anyone's behavior. It de- it certainly doesn't change anyone's desire. It just says, okay, well, then I'm going to do this behind closed doors. Yep. And I just remember being, I was telling someone about this the other day. I remember I went to a Christian uh, high school and also a Christian college and was just pretty naive in a lot of ways. Oh, 100%. Um, and I remember going to college and still kind of assuming that no one was having sex <laughs> when they all were. They all were. They all were. Yeah. But I wa- was not. No, exactly. And- same same experience over here. <laughs> same experience. And I remember one of my friends saying, oh, so-and-so, you know, and they were sleeping together. And I said, well, no, they, they weren't sleeping together. What were they actually doing? And yeah. it's like- They were well, just they, holding hands. They were having sex. And I remember thinking, wow, so literally everyone's still doing it. 
they're just not. No one's just, talking. About no it. one's talking about it. And which which creates really really dangerous scenarios. Oh, and I mean, yeah. you and I are true crime fans, so it can create really dangerous <laughs> scenarios with just personal safety. Uh-huh. Let's just start there. But it also creates a generation of people like you and I mm-hmm. who were maybe on the more naive, slightly spectrum. I mean, I wasn't like unaware of how sex happened. Let's mm-hmm. you know, not at all. But kind of assuming, not realizing that oh. 90% of my friends are having sex. Right. You know. It, or if, and if they're not, they're doing the technicality yeah, maneuver. So yes. it's like we we didn't have intercourse. But so, we did these but other we're things. Still, we're still sexually impure. Right. And so, <laughs> but it, it creates a generation of people who are, who are stunted when it comes to our ability to talk about sex, mm. to realize that we are sexual creatures, mm. to realize that, to even talk about, to even be willing to, once they're married, talk about things that aren't going well in their sex lives. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, it creates a generation of people who don't know how to communicate about sex. And you know what I would say? I, I would say that we are a desexualized culture that is obsessed with sex. Mm. So we don't know how to talk about it. We don't want to own up to it. We want to put shame and fear all over it. However, what's going to be this most central defining aspect of your spirituality your sexuality, whether yeah. you're sleeping with someone, you're living with someone that you're not married to, you're divorced, you're gay, whatever the sexual sin you're committing is yeah. in the eyes of the Christians around you, it's going to be your defining mm-hmm. quality. And so it's this it's this group of people that become so uncomfortable with their sexuality that they become like seeming asexual. Yeah. Yet they're obsessed with sexuality and it's like the defining quality about other Christians because I mean, let's be real. You can, you cannot even be sinning sexually, but you can be holding beliefs that someone else thinks is sinful. Mm-hmm. Like, like Jen Hatmaker. Yeah. Homegirl comes out as affirming. She didn't come out as gay. Yeah. She didn't say I'm sleeping with this woman yeah. and I don't I'm here to brag about it. She comes out as affirming and gets canceled by so many Christians. Yeah. To the point of announcing she's getting divorced and people saying she deserves it because she's fallen so far yeah. from I mean that's that's how centralized sexual obsessive. sin we yes, we become so obsessed with it that it is the thing that just your belief can cancel or yes. make you get canceled. Yes. Um, and yet at the same time, I agree with you that we are so detached from it. And that's one of the things that I wrote down is it divorces our body from our spirit mm-hmm. because we we get into this binary way of thinking, which is a very, very potent thing in Christian culture mm-hmm. of, is binary thinking of good, bad, us, them. Black, white, yeah. Exactly. And so there's it becomes body and spirit, sex and church. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so, like I said, if because of these externally motivating factors, people aren't actually changing their behavior, they're just changing what they'll own up to. Mm-hmm. So they're doing it behind closed doors, which what does that create? A lot of shame. Yep. And a lot of fear and a and lot of and it's just, just this vicious cycle that people are using shame and fear to make people do it behind closed doors, so then they're more ashamed and what research is showing is that people that grew up with purity culture and then end up getting married, even if they stayed pure, oftentimes have a lot of shame associated with sex because 
there were neuropathways that formed. 100%. When they were in their teenage years. Yes. That are so linked to shame yep. that they can't even perform it's, sexually. It's here, here's the deal. Here's, here's, let me explain to you in really, really simplified terms what Sarah just said. <laughs> you take someone and you put them through their entire formative adolescence. So I'm talking like aged 10 through about 20. Mm-hmm. And you tell them over and over and over again that sex before marriage is literally the worst thing that they could possibly do. Mm-hmm. That any type of sexual deviance, any type of sexual misconduct, any type of thing like that mm-hmm. is the worst thing that they could possibly do. But that marriage is the greatest thing that they could possibly do. Mm-hmm. And you set them up on a stage on their wedding day and you say, man and wife or whatever. <laughs> And then you just expect, and we've done, other than like three weeks of premarital counseling, we've done no work to equip them. We've done no work to help them. We've done no work to actually have intelligent, informative conversations about sex. Mm -hmm. And we just expect them from the minute they say, I do, the switch is flipped. And all of a sudden, the past 18, the, the past rather 10 to 12 years of their lives is now null and void, essentially. Mm-hmm. All the information they've received is now null and void, and they can act however they want. And right. it's incredibly damaging. It's incredibly crippling. And so many people, especially women, have issues in the first few years of marriage when it comes to sexual things. Mm-hmm. Because if you grew up in this culture, because your entire 13 plus years of your past life, right. the, the switch has been flipped. Right. And you're expected just to be able to do all these things and perform this way. And it just does not happen. And now turn into this like reward of your husband who's yeah. waited for you like yeah. to satisfy his every every desire in the bedroom. And yeah. it's just like... <laughs> it's, not, <laughs> it's not how it happens. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's that divorce from spirit and body and the, the spirit is good and the body is bad and just that cycle of, of shame. And the irony is that in church, a lot of times you'll hear sex isn't bad. God created mm-hmm. sex. It just needs to be within these certain parameters. But then this puritanical view of sex is actually what's carried out, which is we're suspicious of it. We are um, judgy yeah. around it. Um, and so, yeah, if God create if God actually created sex, why would Christians have the reputation for being the most suppressive mm-hmm. of it? Yeah, it's very the most, true. The most judgmental of it. Yes. Um, and so, which, you know, we've, I know we've talked about this, and this could be a whole other podcast episode, but back to that binary way of seeing things, the church's binary way of seeing the church and culture mm-hmm. is always really funny to me because the church that we have now is a product of culture. Mm. It It is absolutely shaped That'll by, <laughs> That'll by when it exists, where it exists. Like if you take a church in Texas right now versus a church across the world, it will look different. Why? Culture. Yep. Yet whatever church you're in, you're most likely to compare to the biblical way of doing mm-hmm. church. It's, it's, it's still a product of your culture. Yeah. There is, there is no church without culture. So this binary way of saying, oh, the church needs to press again, push back against the culture because the culture's telling us this, but the church tells us this. It's like, okay, calm down. Yeah. Like you, the way you're interpreting the Bible is a product of your culture, and Amen. when you live, where you live, 
everything you're doing is, is a product of culture. Yeah. It just might be Christian culture. And there are things that Christian culture has gotten wrong, mm-hmm. just like other parts of our culture. Yeah. But I just, I really like to suggest us getting out of that habit of the sacred versus the secular. Yep. A, it's really different than the way Jesus did yep. things. Um, in fact, if you want to see who he's hanging out with, he's he's not really moving towards the people that were doing that. He was moving towards the people that were marginalized and mm-hmm. that were Amen. on the outskirts. And so, first of all, can we get out of that mindset of the culture's telling us that we can sleep with whoever we want, and but we're doing this this way. Okay, get out of that mindset, and first, let's just look at people. Like, yeah. what what are people needing what are and and meet teenagers that are going through our youth groups where they're at yeah um rather than like keep your eyes keep your blinders up because the the world is bad 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 it's like are there harmful things in the world absolutely but there are harmful things in the church exactly there are harmful things everywhere and if we're not teaching young people to properly engage Mm. not just not avoid rather engage with the outside anything outside of the church's walls mm. then we are creating an emotionally stunted and in a in a theologically stunted generation again mm. and again and again if all we're telling them is what's outside the church's walls is terrible and evil and and you have to fight against it and you have to avoid it put your blinders on rather than equipping them to go out into the world and push back against that darkness mm. and deal with it yeah. and meet it head Engage on with and it. speak the name of Jesus in yeah. those places. I love what Wendell Berry says, and I'm going to butcher it, but he talking about what kind of in the same vein of what you just said, Wendell says, he, he's like, there are no sacred and unsacred spaces. Yes. There's only sacred spaces and desecrated places. Mm. And the Christian life is about going into the desecrated, speaking dark, life. messy places yeah. and speaking life. It's not about learning how to avoid the right. desecrated spaces. Because if we're honest, we all have a whole lot of desecrated spaces even within our own lives. Mm-hmm. And Wendell says, hey, there's not sacred and unsacred. Mm. There's sacred and desecrated. And the Christian life is to go into those desecrated places mm. and, and to meet that head on rather than learning your, rather than framing your whole Christian life about how to avoid mm. the things that are, quote, worldly mm. or the things that are, quote, culture. Absolutely. How do we engage it? How do how do we step into those places with the name of Jesus rather than just huddling right. in the corner? And and so a way to carry that out in this conversation, I'd say it's like we're communicating to people the sex is the part of the unsacred mm-hmm. and purity is the 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 sacred part. Yeah. And it's like, well, but think about what you said about God created sex. So sex fundamentally is a good thing, but there are ways that we have seen it cause damage. Yeah. And so how can we communicate to our kids? Because I'll tell you, I'll, I'll be real honest. Like, it's it's really easy to grow up in the purity culture and be like, oh, I, I hate this. I totally reject all of this this has taught me. And I'm going to, you know, be all freedom, freedom, freedom. And then you have kids and you're like, uh, yeah. but I don't want them to have sex when right? they're 14. And I don't want them to look at porn. And, I, and like, all of a sudden you're like, reel it back in, reel it yeah. back in. Like, okay, so, because a lot of times, you know, we can push back on something like this and people can hear us saying, all the boundaries that were taught to us are wrong. Mm-hmm. We should be able to sleep with whoever we want. It's like, no one is saying that. No one, in fact, they're not saying that. I haven't heard anyone that push, pushes back on purity culture saying that. And I mean, I started this whole thing off saying, I don't regret 
not not sleeping, sleeping with yeah. anyone, you know. Uh I I'm really glad that I didn't. Yeah. Um because it just like everything else, it it gets messy. However, I absolutely reject the idea that had I like that my re- let me just, let me rephrase that. I do not think that the goodness of the relationship I have with my husband is based on the fact that I did things well. Correct. Because I can, like, was I a virgin when I met him? Yeah. But did I mess up in huge ways? Yes. So I cannot sit here and be like, it's true. I'm a product of purity (laughs) culture and... And God has blessed me with these two beautiful children and this wonderful husband. Yeah. And we have this awesome, great life. Like, because I did it right, it's mm-hmm. it's just not true. And that's and going back to what you said earlier. How far away from the gospel can we get? I know. How far away from the gospel can we get? Where okay, you did all these things right. So now, you, now that you're getting married, it's going to be fantastic mm-hmm. because you did everything right. Mm-hmm. And if you would have done something wrong, mm-hmm. God's going to curse your right. marriage. How far from the gospel can we get? And what do you tell the woman who, quote, saves herself for marriage, mm-hmm. gets married, and then, like, has a miscarriage? Yeah, or or whose husband ends up being abusive. Or, or cheating, or leaving, yeah. whatever. I mean, it all happens. Yeah. And if we get into this transactional way of seeing God, it is very problematic very quick. Absolutely. Your, your faith... And your worldview can crumble real fast if you follow that transactional way of seeing God. One hundred percent. And I mean, the whole the whole gospel narrative is so anti right. that is so anti. Thankfully, better, amen. <laughs> behave, behave, behave. Now mm-hmm. here's your reward. Mm-hmm. And as we and as much as we say we reject that, as much as we say we reject, um, you know, trying to earn our salvation. We still preach it in so many different ways, in subtle ways like purity culture, Mm -hmm. where if you will just behave yourself, young lady or young man, if you will just keep it in your pants, essentially, Mm. and wait until you say, I do, then it's all going to work out for you. Mm -hmm. And it's not. It's Mm -hmm. not all going to work out for you all Mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's just life. We're not Mm -hmm. guaranteed perfect marriages because we didn't have sex before we got married. Mm-hmm. And you're not you're and it's it's the same the this other side of the coin. If you are a young person listening to this and you feel like you know whatever damaged goods or anything oh. like that, bless your heart, you're not. Mm. And you are not set up for failure because of decisions you've made. Right. You're not set up for failure. You're not damaged goods. You're not less worthy. You're not any of those things. God is in the business of healing things and of taking care of all of that. And you don't have to go through like some, you know, second virginity reclaim that oh, thing, Lord. which also exists, you guys. In Reborn. Case you didn't know. Reborn. Yeah. A, re- a born again virgin. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That exists. Those are, those are harmful, harmful things, I think. So if you're listening to this and you feel like damaged goods or you feel in any way like you're not at all. Yeah. And I would add to that, like, God not only can. Because sometimes I feel like it can get communicated, oh, you've messed up in the in a big way, but God can still use you despite this terrible thing. It's like God is so amazing in his redemptive purposes. He can use that thing to be yep. to be the healing agent. Like yep. God knows that like my lowest point of my life and like my biggest shame story has been not something that God's like, well, despite this, we're still going to make your life work. We're still going to like, 
yep. still going to pull out good things from other corners. It's like, no, I'm going to pull the good stuff from this yep. rotten corner. Like that's how deep my redemption goes. And so, yes, I would totally echo what Lorian said. Like if you are a young person or an old person, yeah, it doesn't it, matter. It doesn't matter. Like, and you are wrestling with, but, you know, I've, I feel ashamed of this or I, I wish I could take back this, whatever. We've all, we all have that we stuff. We all have different things. And you're okay. And mm-hmm. the gospel is, is here for you to say, no matter what it is, no matter what that terrible, awful thing is, yep. could have nothing to do with sex. It could be anything. God sees you and, and wants you. And, yep. and, <laughs> and you are not damaged goods no matter what. Yep. No Absolutely. What Absolutely. Um, and, that's, and, and, and I'll just say, like, that's, that's ultimately why I hate the message of purity culture is that it's it's not it doesn't lead with that mm-hmm. it doesn't lead with cuz i'm not anti abstinence in any way yeah. i'm uh i don't think it's the end all be all to as we've said to equal all good things in life but i i i wish we could lead with god is restorative god is redemptive yeah. god is a healer god uses the broken people and in fact like those are his people, yeah. you know, like those yeah. are the ones that he goes after. Uh-huh. Um, and Jesus, like the captain picking the team, like those are the people he's yep. picking for his team, you know? So I wish we could lead with that, especially with when we're talking to students. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ultimately comes down to, do you want to operate out of your freedom in Christ or do you want to operate out of your woundedness and your shame? Yep. Like that, that really is like the bottom line for me. And in so doing, like when you're, whether you're deciding, making your decision to have sex before marriage, not have sex before marriage, whatever it is, are you doing it out of freedom or are you doing it out of fear and shame? Because if you're choosing the shame and the fear-based reason, something's going to break down for you at some point. Even if you check all the right boxes, there's going to be some sort of disconnect later. And so if we can just get to a point where we can have honest conversations and and motivate people out of their freedom in Christ, I think it's a more effective approach. 100%. 100%. And I think that's a great place to end, actually. I think that's <laughs> a good note to end on. Um, thank you, Sarah. Yeah, absolutely. For just all the, all the thoughts and all the work that you put into just that conversation. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this. I know this is maybe a little bit different than some of our other episodes, but it's something that I think is really important. And as I continue to do ministry and as I continue to come into contact with people who grew up similarly to to myself and to others um, these conversations just keep coming up over and over again so I hope it was helpful for you guys thank you guys for listening if you would you know like rate subscribe all those things I'd really appreciate it and we'll be back next week bye